0: Hello and welcome back to ESPN Scrum Reset at Sam Bruce. Joined as ever by Christy Doran after a, um, I guess let's call it a mixed bag super round. Uh, Mate, great to see you. How did you enjoy the footy on the weekend?
1: Oh, I loved the footy. Loved the action that was on there. Um, Mixed bag, I'm sure we'll get to what you mean by that in a moment. But I think the actual on-field stuff was good. I think it was competitive. You know, all five matches were competitive, really. Um, And uh, that's what we want. You know, that's what the new iteration of super rugby has to be about competitive matches played in time-friendly zones. And well, we saw that boxes ticked.
0: Absolutely. Let's, uh, let's jump straight into it. Uh, Of course, Friday night was cut back to, to just the one game, which wasn't a great starting point for the week, but given uh, everything we know about COVID, uh, hardly a a shock on the other side of things as well. Um, And the Waratahs, look, I I think there was a a quiet confidence that they were going to give the, the chiefs a good run on Friday night. Um, but all that went out the window after about uh, 92 seconds, I think it was, or something around that, with, with Angus Bell just getting that tackle wrong, uh, tip tackle. Uh, that was only amplified by Jamie Roberts, uh, sin bidding for a yellow card. Again, no arguments there with the two guys, the two Chiefs players unmarked outside him. Uh, just one of those reactionary things. But we know, as uh, recent cases have shown, that that's going to be a, a straight yellow. Um, they give up a 22-3 lead. And while they come back, the Waratahs, um, I think that just really, you know, that early defensive pressure. And I think they ended up making about 70-odd more tackles than the Chiefs in the end that, that finally told. Um, and clearly not having a, a hooker that can throw a line out in uh, by the, the 55, 60-minute mark was always going to be a challenge as well.
1: Yeah, a little bit to dissect there, Brucey. Um, you've, you've really gone through three or four points there. I, I'll challenge one of them. I, I still don't like the, um, the deliberate knockdown. It would be interesting. Would it be a major line break? Because if you actually look at what happened there, Jamie Roberts, um, the ball the, the the Chiefs' attack had actually, you know, it was going backwards sideways for a moment. They weren't running onto the board any pace. So, um, yes, Jamie Roberts was the last man, but because the ball and the speed of which the Chiefs, you know, they were completely flat-footed, I actually don't know if there would have been a line break. Yeah. Maybe punters, check it out, if you don't believe me. Still don't like the rule, though, full stop. Um, but you're right, yeah, they, they they came back into it. But at the same time, you look at some of the trials that they scored, they were actually fortuitous, really. You know, Jake Gordon intercept, geez, he can pick it out, it's such a strength and it was amazing to watch him come from that outside in position a beautiful almost you know not something you traditionally see with an intercept there's a guy that's
0: actually thinking about taking mm-hmm. an intercept not just running up and and playing the, the hail mary hope for hell that i'm going to get this that was actually a really clever line that he ran as you said and,
1: yeah and if you look at the defense um, or the attack the chiefs attack at the time they would have been you know they're facing to the right they would have been seeing the people in front of them but not from far out on the left coming out that way. So, really, that was, that was phenomenal. Um, but even the Charlie kind of gamble break and, you know, the, he ends up with it. There was one or two just, you know, they weren't necessarily swift plays. And speaking of swift plays or their lack of, you know, the, the Waratahs, where they, I think, they kind of lost it there was a couple of times the Chiefs, they were down a man, and the Waratahs have a scrum and they think, you know, obviously there's the um, uh, uncontested scrums and they've just gone, well, okay, there must be space out wide. We will we'll pass the ball out there as quick as possible. And the Chiefs just read it like, like, like the back of their hand. Like they knew exactly where it was going. And, and it was that classic Australian rugby moment where we've seen it so many times with the Wallabies, where it was so, you could see it from coming from a country mile away. And obviously the oppositions could as well. You've got to go straight. You've got to get over the game line. We didn't see that. So that was a disappointing thing that they couldn't recognise that because we saw it twice once with Jamie Roberts. Now forget the other occasion, but it happened shortly after. It's just inexcusable at this level. Um, how they get pick themselves up, you know, with the Angus Bell Amazing that he's um, a result for the Waratahs, that he's come away um, with a warning. Um, I personally don't mind it. I think there were, you know, I know that Nick Berry, who I think is a great referee, um, said there was no mitigation. Well, there, there clearly was. It was pretty It was pretty obvious when you look at what Angus Talval was doing there as well as the, the out of pressure. The interesting thing is how that murkies the water potentially further if there's a player involved. But he was, you know, Talbot weighs 125 kilos. You could see that he was trying to shove him forward to, to, to continue that momentum. So I thought they, they did have a case. I'm surprised that they didn't have to argue it a, a second time. Um, so, yeah, it's some, some positive signs out of that. The unfortunate thing is it looks like both hookers at this stage are still racing the clock. Both um, Dave Parecki and Tom Horton are... Still, got question marks around them. It's 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 outside that seven day window. It's an eight day because from the Friday yep. to the Saturday. But at this stage, they're still in massive doubt to play, which would be a catastrophic loss, really, to lose your your first two choice hookers against the Crusaders.
0: Move on to Saturday, mates, and uh, I certainly really enjoyed a the Super W final. I thought that was a a great adver- advertisement for the women's game moving forward and. Um, yeah, really well supported there. It was almost the biggest cheers of the weekend when uh, the Fiji and, and Drua, sorry, Fijiana and Drua uh, women kicked a
1: It's no surprise, it's
0: Fiji. Of course, it's not a surprise that we could hear them. Um, so really enjoyed that. Even Fiji and Drua, the men uh, giving the Blues a good shake, um, never really looked like they were going to win the game, but certainly played some good footy in patches. And I think um, with a couple of games to come at home, um, to finish the season, they've got the Highlanders at home on Saturday, and you wouldn't rule them out uh, the way the Highlanders are going uh, of an upset there. But let's jump forward to the Reds Hurricanes then on on Saturday night. Um, again, out to a 17 nil lead, um, and I want to pick apart one point here, mate. Straight off the top, what is, do you think is the earliest thing we tell our kids, our boys and girls, when they're playing junior rugby? Um, for me, it was uh, play the whistle, and I couldn't believe the absolute halt, uh, the turnaround, uh, the looking at. The Referee, um, with another another knockdown, another deliberate knockdown situation. Which this time, I mean, it's it was almost the reverse, I thought, of the incident in, in Wales last year with the try scored by the center whose name escapes me right now. That you and I discussed at length at the time, where, um, again, it, it looked like it had come backwards out of the hand, but but still goes forward, lands forward. Um, and, uh, but anyway, as, as I said, what do you do? You play the whistle boys and the Reds didn't play the whistle, paid the price. And that was just the start of a huge momentum swing for that match.
1: It's a good point. Uh, and yeah, it it is flashbacks to the Wallabies, um, against, against Wales that, that kind of stuff really, I think it needs to, for Australian rugby to, to, you know, build momentum, to come back, lift themselves off the canvas, Every player in the country really needs to take it upon themselves to have that Michael Hooper kind of mentality, the never, say, die, and it can't be looking for excuses at any point in time, and that includes the occasional decision that goes against them. We've we've seen, you know, we saw under Michael Checker his tenure uh, a real, you know, excuses kind of mentality come into it, if only, but, you know, the referees and it was quite refreshing for quite a while that, you know, Dave Rooney didn't have a, a crack. And I know that he did have a late crack there after that Wales defeat, but that sort of mentality has got to shift because I just don't think we see that from New Zealand. Um, you know, it, it, I, I could be wrong. And maybe I'm looking at it very much from the Australian lens, but I don't see that same, um, you know, every now and again, maybe TJ Perinara might, might blow up, but he'll blow up at anything. But I, I think it, yeah, Shane Runby needs to just be careful and, and really um, the never-say-die attitude can't be underestimated. It's a good point, though, and that's, that was really, you know, one of the beginnings of the ends for the Reds on, on Saturday. You know, how you let slip that lead, um, it, it, you know, a couple of things dumbfounded me about that, and you can excuse Law- Lawson Crichton in his first match at 10, um, you know, having only spent time reeling the centres or on the wing there, limited a bit at the matches so far, for the Reds, but take McDermott coming off at the same time as Tanya Tuper after 62 minutes, when you've got a brand new, when you've got a brand new number ten there, um, when things aren't going right straight to plan, um, I've, I, that's a head scratcher for me because I know that he had a, a really you know talked up kind of schoolboy career, but I'm yet to see anything from the re- replacement nine to suggest that he's properly Super Rugby standard at the moment. And he still might be a teenager, so that doesn't mean that he's not going to get there. But at the moment, I'm leaving Tate McDermott on there for best part of 80 minutes when I'm still in the hunt. And I think they were at 22-17.
0: It's looking like a game that the Reds will come back to regret, um, particularly if they miss a, a home final, which um, you know that uh, they're probably going to be jostling with the Hurricanes and the Chiefs for that very position. Um, particularly if the Brums can pick up another win uh, outside of Moana Pacifica, which you'd wager there every chance to do on the way in. Now, they're going to reflect on that, I think, and, and think, wow, we really we really blew that opportunity. Um, and it's just that, that that's, as you say, that's that's got to change if Australian sides are, are going to have uh, more consistent success against these Kiwi teams. Um, when you get a position like that, a position of strength where you've dominated the opening quarter, played some excellent rugby, really stamped your authority on the match, and then... Just to fall on a heap like they did. Um, obviously, Connor Vest, high tackle clearly not helping the situation um, either. But um, you know that 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 was a game for me that they're, they're really going to come back and, and haunt them, the Reds. And you know, can they bounce back this week against the Chiefs? It's going to be a tell, a really telling sign um, as we keep hearing this new, fresh narrative of, of Thorne v McKellar, as we spoke about last week. How can how can Brad Thorne pick this side up uh, at home against the Chiefs on, on Friday night?
1: Well, if, if memory serves me correctly, it was James O'Connor's last match for the Reds last year against the Chiefs. He missed the next couple. Yep. Um, you know, there were yellow cards right the way through that one or a red card as well, maybe to Damian McKenzie. Um, so, right. you know, the Chiefs came back and, and managed to turn it on in that second half. They're going to be a serious threat. Um, that We saw the back line that they have, um, you know, really kind of, I wouldn't say carved up the Waratahs, but they finish off their tries and that's what, New Zealand sides too. Uh, look, there's some real positives out of the Reds, and, we, and we've got to point those out. Fraser McRae was phenomenal, and he has been for a long, long time. You know, will he? It's fair to say, me.
0: Christy, this was really the first time he'd shown it against New Zealand opposition.
1: Um, oh, look, good question, but at the same time, this these guys really have only kind of. I know Fraser had a few moments in 2018, and. Uh, even maybe back to 2017, potentially the last game against the Highlanders. I think he may use debut or so, but he hasn't had many minutes against New Zealand opposition as, as many have um, because of, because of COVID. Look, it, it was his best game against New Zealand opposition. That's for sure, Um but I'm, I'm surprised that it's taken people this long to kind of go, okay, Fraser McRae is the real deal. Um, and it's and it's great to see him playing with the confidence to get on the ball. But if you're comparing what sevens, you know, the sevens in the country at the moment, that was the most complete performance. A guy that just got on the ball time time again, could make the tackle, get on it. It was interesting today when he spoke to the media that he said that, you know, some of the things around the defence element of his game with some of the bits of feedback that he needed to work on and positioning himself so that you know for the running rugby that he can present himself. Yep. Um, but you know, he it, it, it those sorts of matches and you string a couple together and then you you come up against a Sam Kane. And if you do that again against a Sam Kane side, which Sam Kane spent a number of years under Dave Rennie, well that is surely just got a, you know, that it's going to be knocking on the on the Wallabies management doors, isn't
0: it? And so, so how do you map out then his test season this year? Because let's face it, he's got to get some minutes this year. Um, you've mentioned last time around the World Cup in, in 2011 when, when David Pocock was injured and there was no backup uh, in Robbie Deans' Wallaby squad at that time. There was clearly no backup on the spring tour last year when Michael Hooper was injured against England. And, and I think Pete Samu had to shift into the seven jersey for the Wales test. Um, it's imperative that not only from a perspective of this guy is the future and, and you know, in, in all likelihood, he's a future captain too, isn't he? Let's, you know, he's, he's an easy one to slot straight in there. Um, I guess Allah, you know, uh, not to put too much pressure on the kid, but virtually a, a Richie McCall situation when Richie became captain and I think 23 off the top of my head. Um, now, Fraser is probably going to be, you know, maybe well, 18, was 22. 30, so um, yeah, well, right around there. Um, you know, he's got to get some minutes. So is it, okay, you pick him on the bench in a couple of tests against England, um, depending on how that series is is set up. Um, for me, the perfect game looks to be one of these tests in Argentina that the Wallabies are playing two in, in Argentina under the new mini-tours format of the rugby championship this year. That would be a... I know Michael Hooper doesn't like to rest, um, but surely that's an opportunity to give him one of those tests to start and just say, mate, look, we're... You know, Action's backing up their words, essentially, and saying, you know what, um, you're the man for the future. He's a game to prove it. We're not just going to give you time off the bench, but um, we also want to see what you can do from the outset, which is a totally different ball game, as we've spoken about at length as well.
1: Yeah, well, for two years, Dave Rooney has been preaching a fact that they'll pick on form. So, you know, if you're picking on form at the moment, and the important thing is to say, the Wallabies' first test is still what? two, three months away, it's it's a long way away. So you've got to be able to can maintain these sorts of performances, shrink them back to back. Fraser had great moments throughout last year's Super Rugby AU competition, and probably faded a little bit towards the back end, whether or not that's fatigue or whatever it might be. Um, yeah, I think you're right. The Argentinian test is where you go. Yeah, you've got to pencil him to start one of those two matches. Um, whether or not he can play some minutes before then against England, yeah. I think you. I think you can find. I don't think for all three tests, and I'm not sure I'd start him. But you know, the, the second match is is in Brisbane. Um, the difficulty he finds himself in is that he's 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 an out and out seven. Yeah. Um, whether or not you you know, and, and it's hard to carry those out and out sevens on the bench when there's the Michael Hooper who's the captain. You know, a couple of people will asked me today, naively thinking what what's the real difference why can't you do that well you know Rob Liotta weighs 100 and close to 120 kilos 115 kilos he's, he's taller he's in the lineout. you know Luca Ansela Lota used to offer that role off the bench you know Pete Samu can cover all three positions it's it's very difficult to carry and it's very difficult to start them both we've seen when the All Blacks have even attempted to do that with Sam Kane and Artie Sevilla, it hasn't always worked, has it? So at times it has and other times it hasn't. But the important thing is that he does start at one match and that's got to be sooner rather than later, because as you just said, and we've mentioned before, it it is different to start a game. You feel like you're in there. You don't feel like you have to come off the bench with 15 minutes to go and, and try to, show everything that you've got because you just don't have the time and you often end up making mistakes. So, yeah, they've got to be careful that they don't lose him. And it was an excellent point you made out that this isn't just another player. It's not quite a Noah Alassio here. This is a future potential Wallaby captain. You know, he's got experience. um, He speaks very well. Um, he ticks all the right boxes uh, and and you've got to treat him carefully here because you can't have another Liam Gill situation where both he and Sean McMahon go overseas. One of the questions being asked is, what is Michael Hooper's future beyond even the 2023 World Cup? Because he's a manly boy, loves living down on the beaches. He spent some time in Japan. He's got a young kid. Will we have another one? And if they do... And he wants to keep playing for the Wallabies. Well, who's to say that he won't continue until 2025 and want to stay on Australian shores until then? So there's some questions being asked. And what you really want to be shown is an arm going around the person saying, no, no, we rate you very highly. Because he was was left disappointed by not going on last year's spring tour.
0: And certainly the Japanese game would have been another perfect, you know, situation for him to... To play. So, yeah, look, I, I think you and I discussed it at the time. It was a, a fairly big head, head scratcher, sorry. Um, but um, anyway, uh, all looking forward to this year and we'll see what comes. Um, before we leave Super Round, uh, the Brumbies, I reckon it was the best 20 minutes of rugby I'd seen from an Aussie team potentially all year. That first quarter, um, uh, barring well, that's of course, that's
1: that's the best half all, all year. And-
0: yeah, I, I, I think they dropped off slightly towards the end, but that was just a, a few penalties and a slight shift of momentum for the Highlanders too, coming back into it. Um, it uh, Yeah, I, I I thought the first the first 20 was outstanding. Tom Wright's uh, put down a side, and there's another lesson for all you kids listening out there. What do we do? We put the ball down with two hands. Uh, Rico Yuani is another one who can attest to that. Um, but the the platform that Nick White had that was what really stood out for me is the ball that he was getting, the speed at which he was then accelerating from the ruck, the ball carrying options he had coming outside him, being able to pick one, two or three. Um, it was just br- beautiful. brilliant. I was going to say brilliant. That was a Michael Ennis there to watch um, in that opening quarter. Um, and if they play like that, I think they can truly mix it with certainly the the Chiefs and the Hurricanes and and that's kind of rugby will worry the, the Crusaders and Blues as well.
1: Well, we saw exactly why what, what what we saw on Sunday was exactly what the reason why I think the Brumbies, and I said it at the start of the year, and I think I said it last year, and they were picked obviously in the 83rd minute or whatever it was, why I think the Brumbies are the Australia's best team still, because they have depth. Um, and, and the fact that they started Scott CEO, who was immense, um, you know, really yeah, fight that, that opening half. Um, by powering over the game line, the fact that you can start a guy like him, that you can have, I don't, uh, you know, Folau fine come off the bench, and Lockie Lonigan starting, and Connell McInerney still around, you know, the the Billy Pollards, they've got huge amounts of depth, and and that was seen, and we saw, you know, Darcy Swain ripping, you know, he was great around the rolling mall. He's got to be
0: the best defensive
1: mall player in the country, I think. Yeah, he, he's he's earning he's, he's if you if he's not there already, he's he's very, very close. And and that's great because he's what well, he's still very young, 22, 23, only going to get better and better. Um, you know, Jerome Brown wasn't necessarily at his best, but there's there's depth across there. Rob Valentini Pete Samu had had great games too. And you know, for someone like Noel Olasio, you know, uh, there was some headlines around his future. To come out and play your first game after a while, having missed a few because of injury, I thought he was really impressive. When great, his yeah. game back. Um And that helps, obviously, when you've got a platform, and that's probably why he got the nod back in 2020 over others like Will Harrison, because he had a full pack that was going forward. But, you know, Nick White was brilliant, as you, as you mentioned. Um you know, and even for the few mistakes that Tom Wright made, and they were big ones, there's some promising signs there. Um, so I think it's a great thing because Tom Banks is about to return. If, if not this week, he'll definitely be back the week after. So uh, they're building very, very nicely and, and fingers crossed. And I, I, the other thing I'd make, the point I'd make is have a couple of the Australian teams, and I look at the Brumbies particularly. They haven't been great the right the way through the year. They're they're probably underwhelmed more than ever before under Dan McKellar. But Super Rugby titles and premierships aren't won in the first four, eight weeks, are they? You know, it gets to this point in time when they've got to back it up against the Kiwi opposition and then start flexing their muscle. McKellar did a lot of, um, I, I think, skilled coaching management in rotating players in and out, out. That's all great because you're keeping people fit and on their toes, but it probably doesn't do a huge amount for your continuity. You know, the changes continually at hooker in the the second row, in the halves, you know, Nick Watt is only starting every second game. So I think they're quite nicely to continue on. The real big thing is can they stay fit? Because we know that with one injury to James O'Connor, you know, their season is now not hanging by thread necessarily because they'll make the finals given their strong start, but they're on the back foot over the next month. And um, two, two, two further things, two quick points. Richie Asatasa, the, the hooker, I thought was great for the Reds. Best game for him and, and off the back of a, a great pre-season before his injury in the trial match. So that's a pleasing thing because they've been so short at hooker with a couple of their key injuries. And secondly... I wonder, you know, Tom is going to be starting. It looks like he might be in the frame to play club rugby this weekend. Still to many had the most impressive 40 minutes from a number 10 this year. I wonder, they don't want to rush him. You know, he's the son of a wall of his great. I wouldn't think that Michael would think it's rushing him. You know, this is a guy who's 19 or so. He, um, you know, James O'Connor made his debut at 17 Phil Kearns was, you know, parachuted from from club rugby to the Wallabies, Nick Tar jones The greats of the game and very, very good players often play well before people think they should. You know, this is super rugby we're talking about. You know, if indeed Lawson Crichton struggles over the next week or two, you know, I I would seriously think about Tom Liner because he, he had a really impressive 40 minutes. And if he can, you know, get some minutes under his belt playing club rugby, well... You know, let's see this kid because, uh, you know, he's not just anyone.
0: Yeah, yeah, one to watch there. Uh, And clearly, you know, he's aware of what his name is. And no matter when he debuts, there's always going to be, uh, you know, huge interest in seeing it happen. So, um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be able to watch this space for the the closing five weeks of the competition. Uh, Christy, uh, Rebels, obviously, um, well beaten by the Crusaders, but hung in there pretty well for the first half at least. Uh, Crusaders dropped a lot of pill. Um, but there's just a better understanding of what they're trying to do, as we discussed a few weeks ago. Um, they just lack those, those multiple strike weapons really, don't they, to, to really be a consistent threat, but at least good to see them uh, hanging tough. Um, what about the concept itself, mate? I think kind of universally agreed, before we wrap it up, that um, you know, it, it's something worth having another crack at. Um, you'd certainly be concerned if it was in Melbourne again, or certainly on an Anzac weekend. I think it'll move back to, to week two of um, the competition as as planned. Um, but I just feel like, you know, certainly if, um, you know, they bring it to Sydney or Brizzy or, you know, even Wellington, Wellington used to love the sevens before they kind of changed the rules around the spectators over there slightly. Um, you've got to think it'd be
1: a hit at Eden Park. Um, you'd like to see it go around again? Oh, absolutely. I think it'd be, you know, one of the best innovations of, of, of Super Rugby, perhaps in its history. I think it's a great idea. Um, it seems like they're locked into Melbourne for a second year. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a that's really unfortunate. Um, you know, for speaking to to various people involved in the game or in sport, full stop. You know, the the lack of advertising down there was apparent, and it's you know it, it's it's hard to make a splash in the you know in a big pool down there in the AFL world. You know, halfway through an AFL season. Um, but you know, wouldn't it be great if it was you know, people will accuse me of, of having blue tinted glasses here. But given that the fact that the Sydney football stadium is going to be brand new, opening up, you know, to have it before the rugby league season hits, um, you know, week one or two, what an opportunity to to really pump up rugby to go. There's nothing else. You are going to see every, every court, like the best player of every team in across you know either side of the trans-Tasman and Sydney in one spot over three days I just can't think of anything better than that. And the exact kind of
0: event that that stadium has been built for because it's only got three permanent tenants in the Waratahs the Roosters and Sydney FC in the A League um, it's otherwise it's just picking off random games kind of here and there and we all you know remember old mate Peter Fitzsimons blowing up and how we were all you know objecting to what he was saying that was certainly you know the SFS did need to be rebuilt and and glad that it has been, and looking forward to it opening uh, come September. But but surely, as you say, that's just the perfect event to get in there over three days. It's got all the infrastructure now around it. Um, it's it's rugby heartland. Uh, there's plenty of Kiwis in Sydney, as we know. Um, it's gotta be a no-brainer there that if, you know, it's the concept is owned by New Zealand rugby, and probably every chance that it might go to New Zealand if it does stay in Melbourne, as the, the contract says for next year. Um, that um, you know, eventually we, we'd love to see it here in Sydney, and the, the Sydney Football Stadium would be the, the ideal spot.
1: You can't you can't discount the fact that you know, as much as people like, or some people like the Rebels and the idea of having five teams, they're, they're Australia's worst team, and you're playing, uh, and you're trying to attract people that have struggled to get around the Melbourne Storm, you know, the most successful rugby league team of the last twenty odd years. It seems ludicrous. That, that the first two years would be down in Melbourne. You're absolutely shooting yourself in the foot. With that said, New Zealand, you know, it's a New Zealand idea. They're the ones that are, that are pumping the dollars and allowing and facilitating this to occur. But you'd like to think that if you're, you know, a smart man, you, you think a little bit more widely and broadly than that because they run the risk of, once again, only having 10,000 10, people you know, again, turning up to that when I think, you know, if you were to hold that in a bit bigger, you know, rugby market like Sydney or Brisbane or Indeed over and in New Zealand, you're going to be getting a lot, lot more. So yeah, great idea. Lots of tweaking need to be done, but at least these things are now starting to occur um, because there's, you know, at least they've got a, a foot, you know, in the camp so to speak. Like, you've got to be able to be there to be actually able to see whether or not these ideas can work. So yeah, nearly there. It's it's encouraging, and it's encouraging to see that the Australian sides managed to compete against New Zealand opposition. You know, the, the big test is can they continue doing it, backing it up, and can their players stay on the on the park? Because depth, once again, that that was really what we we saw with the Melbourne Rebels. Just didn't have the depth to go in the second half half like like the uh, the Crusaders did.
0: Absolutely. Uh, big pressure on, on all the teams. And the Brumbies probably looking like the best bet again in, uh, in this weekend for another Aussie victory on Sunday against the Hurricanes uh, in Canberra. Mate, before we wrap up, uh, just a little bit of contract news from you late last week around... Oh, sorry, on over the weekend on Sunday, I believe, around both uh, Nick White uh, and potentially Tom
1: Banks. Well, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. The Brumbies have left themselves in a vulnerable position because quite a few of their big name players or creative attacking weapons uh, all off contract pretty much at the same time. So, look, there was a, there was a story by Ian Payton on Friday that that suggested that Nick White was likely to, to, to take up an offer or had been, you know, received an offer, you know, and around that one million dollar mark. From my understanding, the Rugby Australia is very confident that they'll be able to, to keep his services. Um, I'm a bit disappointed that that story got out there, but I think that think he will stay um nick frost looks like he's staying in australian soil as well which is great news um you and i have spoken about him at length you know someone like a noel i oh, it's a really interesting question whether or not he in fact and you know it's any day that he makes a decision on that his girlfriend you know i think is still up in brisbane but might have more opportunities with their own career to be going international so there's those factors at play but the idea of playing at Santori alongside Samu Karevi, um, where players are getting better, you know, we've seen Samu Karevi get better since going to Santori, Eddie Jones is there. Um, you know, it's a pretty appealing sort of place to go where you can just jump on a play and you're back in 10 hours as well. It's not like you're going elsewhere in the world. So he's got some questions to ask himself. Can Does he back himself to be the Wallabies 10 in 2024? If he does, he will stay, I think, and if he doesn't, and he's not sure, and he thinks he's at his, you know, he, how he's questioning how many internationals he's got left in him.
0: Yeah, what's this base? Uh, intriguing that uh, that Noah, um, you know, having gone from uh, being the uh, the first uh, rate right to number ten in the absence of, of James O'Connor while he was injured, and before Quaid returned uh, to be lost to the game, uh, would be a, a fairly significant. Uh, Just worth mentioning, mate, before we wrap up today, Wallaroo's uh, confirming their season, a bumper test season, the best one ever uh, for the Aussie girls. Great to see Pacific Four series in New Zealand with uh, also Canada and the US. And then two separate, uh, I think it's the O'Reilly Cup. Apologies if I got that wrong. Uh, Another two tests against New Zealand on top of the Fiji games, which are now just a couple of weeks away. um, In uh, Sorry, Fiji and Japan up in, in Queensland. So really exciting for them.
1: Really exciting, and, and even across the ditch, Wayne Smith um, returning to mm. be Black Ferns coach. I think if you're a betting man, you're getting on the Black Ferns because he's, Steve
0: Hansen's daughter as well.
1: Yeah, he's got it. Well, yeah, indeed. But but Wayne Smith's got to be ranked as, as perhaps the greatest ever assistant international coach. Um, you know, everyone speaks so so highly of him. So to have him betting man, you're probably getting there. But uh, great to see. you... Um, uh, a really competitive Super W final. The last, you know, the whole game was gripping. Um, Waratahs could have stolen it perhaps at the end. Uh, but, you know, I like the idea of of having that double header just to allow, you know, those that might want to rock up there early to watch some rugby, see what it's about, because those are the building blocks. Because we saw over the weekend... 15, 16,000 at Leicester turn up to watch England and Ireland and England hammered Ireland, but a full house and a bumper atmosphere. That's what you're striving towards. Um, smaller boutique grounds, uh, you know, for, for these sorts of matches, but where possible, um, you know, double headed. So, yeah, great, great signs and good for the Wallaroos. Absolutely. And uh, there. In, uh, I think
0: it's a squad being announced uh, imminently, actually, for those tests against uh, Fiji and Japan next week. Uh, mate, thanks again. Uh, glad to hear you enjoy Super Round. I think, um, as you say, uh, not the results that probably were after, probably what we expected, the one win. I thought the probably the, uh, the line in punting terms was one and a half, so uh, probably just finished under that. But, um, yeah, looking for a couple more this weekend, potentially. Uh, enjoy the footy, mate. We'll talk again
1: next week. Look forward to it.